0: All right. We are back uh, with another installment of accepting the challenges here where we want to provide a platform to help the education world um, be exposed for what it really is in a good way. We want to show people the the true the true superheroes in a lot of ways that exist behind the scenes or behind the desk or behind that classroom door. Show some love. Show some um, journey. Uh, talk about where you know who these teachers are we've had superintendents on here where we talk like hey let's i don't want to talk about what policies and what you're putting in place and how many people and whatever let's talk about who you are so that the world actually sees how amazing people in the education world are um today's guest um is actually a little bit different than what we've had on uh in previous episodes um he's actually the first um I would say full-time speaker consultant, if you will. That that I've interviewed. We've interviewed other people who talk, um, and I did not. Um, I did not ask you to how to pronounce your last name, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. And if I butcher it, I apologize, and you can correct me. But today's guest, uh, we have Carlos Malavi. Malave.
1: Malave. Malave.
0: Malave. All right. So, um, Carlos, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Man. I I, I, absolutely. So if you will, share a little bit about what you currently do and, and what your role is in the education world.
1: Okay. So once again, thank you for having me. I appreciate um, what you're doing and, and for, the, for the field and, and the world of education and educators um, in our space and it's for speakers as well. Um, so right now I own and run my consultant company called Translating Success where it's uh, built off of restorative practices. Um, I built a curriculum called the restorative uh, power curriculum where it's aligned to ELA standards and, and or TEKS out here in Texas. Um, and basically how to implement restorative practices realistically within the classroom um, on a full-time basis throughout the year. The way I got into this, um, I have been in education for nine plus years and I've been a teacher in New York City all the way to Texas um, at top schools like Yes Prep and KIPP right now and recently. Um, and within that time, I was teaching like you, Shane. Um, I was a former basketball player in high school, um, was recruited to play college basketball and everything, didn't really know where to um, what I wanted to go into after sports, uh, I was a big person. I was going to play pro. I played against a couple people that are pro now. So the assumption, you know, when you're young, you put in the time and you think you're going to get there. Um, and then life doesn't turn out that way. But a lot of the things that I got from ball actually transcended. And that's why it kind of like translated to my business and my lifestyle. Um, my coach always used to say, Carlos, you'll be successful in whatever you do. It don't matter because you're the type of guy that, um, I was at look I I was the guy that woke up 3 hours before school and put up 2000 jump shots came home from school shot another 2000 did my did my homework did push up before I went I was that dude I was obsessed okay. and I thought I was going to make it and I, I was fortunate enough to play against a lot of uh, people um in my neighborhood that were just you know way better than me and I was always like learning um and my coach would always like tell me things like that, but I didn't really believe it. Um, I'm like, well, you told my mother play pro and it doesn't matter whether it's overseas or the professionals here. Um, but um, when I got into education, uh, I, like I said, I translated what I got from basketball, the preparation, the mentality, the confidence that you build over constantly putting in the hours of work um, and, and, and seeing that transcend into education. Now, when i got into education i'm teaching and immediately i think that you know because i come from the area i'm from brooklyn new york and then i did a high school and a little bit of middle school in long island and i'm thinking i i wasn't in the best areas but i was fortunate like like i was able to um go back into the communities and thinking right away oh because i come from it i could connect that necessarily isn't true sure (laughs) work like that, so, and, and kids can smell fake from a mile away, so, you know, when you go to school for education, this is what they don't teach you, or they don't talk to you like this, They you're basically becoming an actor, right, they're teaching you to be an actor, right, you're, you're playing mm-hmm. a role that yeah. you don't necessarily own yet, because you just don't have a certain amount of experience and maturity, flat out, like, you just, you don't understand things until things happen to you, or you have kids, or, like, you're, you, you've been around the world for a while, so, sure, naive I got into education and then I had to learn my way and while I was in education um I I was also speaking the way I got into speaking I know this is all over the place but
0: no, you're fine you're fine I, I
1: when I when I left the basketball team I constantly made a decision I always hated the idea of the job even my wife tells me today like when we watch television shows, like they always portray the jock as this dumb, yeah. extra, like, uh, I don't you know, can you help me with my classes? Yeah. And I hated that growing up. Um, and I always wanted to like, you know, dismantle that idea of someone that plays sports isn't smart. And that's why my favorite basketball player is LeBron, because on a whole nother level of intelligence on and off the court. Right. So I I led my life in that world, like trying to break that stigma or that stereotype. Um so when I left the basketball team in college, I made a conscious decision to say, you know what? I'm not if I'm not going to play basketball, I'm going to make sure everybody knows who I am and I'm going to do as much as possible. I became an RA, I became Caribbean Student associate um vice president, I became multicultural life intern, I became the the speaker for the multicultural life office. I spoke at my graduation. Like I did nice. Everything that I could, and I was involved in all the clubs, and, and, and SUNY Cortland, upstate New York, it wasn't the most diverse place. But for me, I grew up in a black and brown community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to Cortland, it was just like the complete opposite, yeah. right? But I re- one, I realized my privilege right away. Like, I, I'm acceptable. I can go into certain spaces and be seen a certain way or be listened to. Yeah. Um, and the people around me weren't necessarily having the same experiences. But I was recognizing that even when we went into stores, when we walked in the streets, I seen how people treated me compared to my friends, right? And 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 or um, the girls that I was in a relationship with. And so when I went to, when I did this in college, I got super involved and then I, I got voluntold to be a speaker at the graduation. And then from there had this feeling of, you know, um, with basketball i had the butterflies before the game and before tip-off and once i started dribbling the ball and took that first shot the preparation came in i was like i got this right and then the confidence came and i had that same feeling with when i spoke for the first time i was super nervous i went up there had the butterflies knees weak arms are heavy you know i mean the whole the whole the whole uh feeling of uh right before a game and then i started speaking and then something magical happened. I swear, like, it's like one of those things that somebody described it. It's like that, that, first, that first time you do something, you're given that certain type of luck to let you know that that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right? And I swear, like, I, I, was, I went up there and slowly, I got, after I got the first sentence out, I swear, like, babies were laughing. People were crying at the end. People were like, oh, my God. And I was like, what? The hell just happened, right? <laughs> and that's where I was like, oh, I could do this. And I was speaking around while I was teaching. And then I found the Eric Thomases of the world, the Les Browns of the world, mm-hmm. the Tony mm-hmm. Robbins of the world. I'm like, you can get paid for this? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. So, and then I started, you know, building my, getting out there for free. I was doing a bunch of stuff just, and then for like $50, $100. And then it started becoming something. I learned the game. And then I ran into Ariel Moutier. He's a six-figure guy, well known. Spoke at the White House when Obama was there, and he had this business where he trained he he trains teach he trains speakers to learn the business behind closed doors, like the numbers, how to like build your stuff. And then I got hooked up with him, and then everything changed. Um, and then with teaching, um, I've taught for several years, like I said, nine plus years. And then I, the last year of teaching, um, I kind of met. This, I, I was speaking at this conference. I was teaching PE, and then this one day at um, uh, Yes Prep, um, a counselor, because he used me to speak to the kids from time to time because he knew what I was doing. I was an author. Uh, um, I wrote a book at the time, and it was like, hey, you should speak at this conference. It's called Restorative Practice Conference. I was like, what is restorative practices? I've never heard of it before. Um, and then I did my research. I was like, oh, it kind of connects to what I do because my book was um, Translating Your Success. And it's kind of like reflecting and being able to have those tough conversations with yourself and others. Um, and when I did the conference, I spoke and apparently a whole KIP class was there and high school class was there and um, a couple administrators and I spoke and then they kind of like try to get me to work at their school the next um, day. And the principal called me the next day and tried to offer me a position there. Um, I denied it, and then I kept teaching at yes prep, and then worked with them to like do speaking engagements four times a year. They implemented my book into their curriculum um, as a as a tool for their uh, orientation class, for mm-hmm. their first year of freshmen, and then the next year, um, he had created a position, the restorative justice coordinator so it was like everything fell into place because i just kept working on my craft and then i found my lane i was speaking motivation but then i found this thing with restorative practices that kind of connected to what i do and talk about already Mm so um at kip houston high school i was the first restorative justice coordinator where i work with teachers and students alike to change the culture and be able to change the discipline from punitive to restorative where we're not kicking kids out of school and we're actually getting to the root cause of it oh this kid is cursing me out it's not about me there's something going on that's a sign right things that we're not taught as teachers that's maturity right you learn that over time and i had gotten to that place where i was mastering my skills in the classroom where i can identify and not to tell teachers like no 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 listen listen you have to look at it like this if you want your class to run like you know what i mean so i was able to get to that point and then I taught a council class. It was a, um, it was a student council. I changed the name, Restorative Justice uh, Council. And I trained the kids in circle leading skills, uh, conflict resolution and um, radical candor, a book written by Kim Scott about mm-hmm. leadership with mm-hmm. compassion, but also being direct, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I taught them all the skills, and then we were able to go around the school, and de- they became the f- front line of defense. So they were, like, assisting teachers with stuff that may come up. They were addressing student uh, conflict. They were within circles. They were leading circles. Um, and then we, I took them with my connections, and I went to other high schools and elementary and their presentations and had them show – Give them exposure so much so that ABC News out here in Texas uh made a feature of us. Um and you probably seen it on my website and that's where it kind of like blossomed. I was like, oh this is what I'm really passionate about. This is what mm-hmm. I like to do. Um you know what I mean and I come from a long line of family members that dealt with depression and alcoholism and drugs that never learned how to deal with their stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And yep. yep. kind of connected to me because like I always felt different. I was like I watched my dad deal with alcoholism and his struggles. Um, He did his very best. Great father, but he just had so many demons that he never learned how to deal with younger and he was never taught. Um, And then he got caught up in his ways. Um, But like I saw that as I want to be different. Right. And my dad always told me be better than me. Right. Your your job is to be better than me. So um, when. When that, when I seen the work going, that when I'm seeing kids reflecting, kids reminding me of my father that are in that place but much younger, and then me being able to guide, help guide them and understand, like these are the type of questions you need to ask yourself. This is how you should reflect. You don't, you're not crazy. Like just even that, you're not crazy. I that happens to me. I may look like I got it together. Those thoughts go through my head. Yeah,
0: we all. Love, yeah, we all yeah, we all. Yeah, we all have our. We all have our own stuff and, and, exactly. and things we're going through.
1: Exactly. And then in the school setting, there's not much time where teachers have the time to actually connect with a kid like that. And then there's not many teachers that have that experience of knowing how to connect yet. Right. Yeah. So- I think, yeah, I call this. A, I,
0: I, I think it's I think it's not necessarily the experience, but I think there I think most people also lack the emotional intelligence to be right. able to actually try to process it. Um, you know, you, um, you you and I have you know, you you had, you had some family issues and some different things. So, so we probably maybe have experienced or seen or, you know, been around some of the same things. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I tell people when you've been through trauma and especially as a kid, you go through trauma as a kid, as you get older, you can almost, you can almost see it. On other people right you can yeah. all like you like like you you can, you can see trauma and pain rating off radiating Please. off of someone else whether it's an adult or another child and it and it makes a difference it it it, right. it to, to have that you gotta to in order to help you gotta be able to recognize that hey you know this kid's not just being a jerk just to be a jerk right no, nobody no nobody wakes up just to be a just to be an a hole in class
1: yeah as a defense mechanism and, and, and us being able to look at that. So the work kind of gave me the ability to see it that way even better. And it kind of made me a better teacher, better mentor, this better individual. So I started seeing the work change my life. And then um, this all happened before the, the Christmas break. We got on ABC News and I just got the job. It's like a couple months in, so we're doing really good. I'm, I'm getting this great experience. And then everything changed. Uh, on January 10th, 2019, my father committed suicide. And on a whole nother level, it, it came to like, it came full circle for me, right? Mm-hmm. My father reminded me of a student that I had um, in Sam, same mannerisms, temper, anger issues, but couldn't identify and wanted to, like you could tell the person wanted to like learn, uh, wanted to understand, but just couldn't and didn't know how to, sure. right? Struggled. My father was like that, and he resorted to drugs and alcohol, and then you know he was going through a rough patch, which he's had several times in his life, but then you know it got too bad, and he ended up taking um, yeah. taking his life um from that situation and then with that it was it was traumatic for me, like I had to go to the hospital and just seeing him in pieces, yeah. Right? And and seeing the family and breaking and still trying to be strong for my family and then, you know, it was just a lot. So everything when I came back to the job, you know, what I mean, well, before the job came back, my wife was like, you know, what I mean, uh, I'm worried about you. Because, you know, for a long time, you know, you have been chasing uh to be better than your father. Right? You've been comparing yourself. Your dad your dad trained you to be that way, like be better than him. Like he drank, I never drank. Yeah. Like I didn't touch alcohol or anything like that. Like I never got drunk or anything like that. I was like, I did everything modeling after what he did. Like my dad was the example of what not to do. Yeah. I had that kind of like weird relationship of like, we were very close, but like he always like, you know what I mean? I do it so you don't have to kind of um, mm-hmm. behavior. And then my my wife was like, you know what I mean? Now that he's gone, who are you? And I, I couldn't answer that freaking question. And I was like, I, I don't know. And then I started therapy Um, that kind of like doing that. And then going back into the job, it just gave me a different look or outlook on life. And and like when I see kids struggling on like still I had, I went through my own trauma and, you know, going through trauma, we tend to forget about our own stuff. Like my wife tells me like my wife had like, crazy upbringing and the way she came out of her situations. Like, I always look at her like, yo, that's amazing. And then, she's hit, and then she thinks, like, I had everything, like, goody-two-shoe. And then she learns learn my family and she sees what I went through and what yeah. I am out of and how everybody around me is nothing like me. And she's like – then she looks at me and she's like, how the hell did you do it? And I yeah. never realized, like, I had so much that I was, like, not seeing as trauma or not seeing as, like, a thing, right? Um, But I was going through a lot in that kind of and then going to therapy and then like having to see like, oh, snap, like it was so much. So so
0: when you um, uh, when you when you when you started therapy um, before you started, did you have a did you have a stigma uh, to it? Yeah, yeah. And a lot I think a a lot of a lot of people, especially men, but a lot of people have uh, have that of I don't. And you mentioned something else earlier about you know, you wanted to be strong for your family. That, that that's another trap that we fall into. Yep. Um, of I, I've got to, you know, I, I go to therapy, um, you know, and I think, I think more, more people should, uh, especially men. So I'm, I'm a big advocate for any of my friends. I say, you know, when, when you hit 40, I think you need to schedule in about seven, eight sessions, um, and, and go, because it's going to take you about three or four to finally get to a point to where you're comfortable enough to actually get into some stuff, um, that you need to get into, but it, it, it matters. And so, so I want to ask you, um, what, what, I mean, what, what was it, was it the conversation with your wife that caused you to go and and just, and to finally get therapy?
1: Well, I had a weird relationship with therapy because my dad tried it and it didn't work for him. You know it didn't work Yeah, and hear things like you know growing up in a black and brown community and for me i i'm very light-skinned but um i have a brother that's you know three four shades darker than me yeah yeah, yeah 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 like that just speak spanish so like i come from like a very um a rainbow type of family so i i grew up in it i just was lighter skinned and like i said i realized and where, where
0: where where um what, what what heritage is your mom and dad puerto rican Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So um so I came from uh an environment that you know therapy isn't for people of color, right? Because and then if you look at the history, you know, yeah, there was things said that if you you know they were using information that was given into the therapist to you, you know what I mean? So like there was a there's a a history behind it if you really look correct. Um but I came from that. And then I went, I had family members, in particular my father, having deep conversations with my father where he would use me as the person to like let out everything. And I know a lot of stuff that maybe I shouldn't know about my father. And we used to talk to like that. And But he went to therapy and he was like, yo, I don't get no answers. Like they don't tell me nothing. He just don't tell me nothing. And for years I kept hearing that. I was like, uh, maybe therapy isn't for me. I'll just use my the, my partners that I'm with, my 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 girlfriend and the close friends that I had yeah. and had mentors. And that's another thing. The reason I am the man I am today is because I seek mentors, right? Okay. Grown men that could offer things that my father couldn't offer, and then I built yep. who I am today. But um, with that, I had to – it all changed when I went to therapy. Like, I was still with the stigma in my head and feeling like, ah, you know, on the fence. But I knew I had so much with my father passing And now um, – and it's even deeper because my dad called me right before he did it. A couple months before he – I was on the phone and I talked him out of doing it, you know what I mean? And then we were like working through things and and he was getting the help. And so it was like a lot there, right? So uh, I knew I had to try. And when I got there and I started talking, um, everything changed. I was like, oh, they're not supposed to tell me anything.
0: No, you you like, yeah you you have all the answers yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. I'm like but <laughs> nobody
1: breaks it down to you like that for me it just hit. Yeah. nobody had to explain it it's like I put all of this on my wife and the people that are close to me that I actually do because I'm usually the one people come to but the people that I use like my wife and my partners over the years then that kind of doesn't help the relationship because she's holding everything. She's holding hers and then she yeah, don't she's want- She's trying to, to carry her.
0: your burdens too. Yeah, 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 she's yeah. Not yeah.
1: trying to hold hers because she doesn't want to put more on me and then that, you know and what I mean? You're, when,
0: and then you're pissed because she can't do it or exactly. she gets tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah, yeah, it all yeah, hits yeah.
1: while I'm talking. All of this is going in my head while I'm talking and then it's like, oh, I'm paying this person to carry it and then I can leave this room with a better understanding then I can like talk in a different way with my wife where I'm not putting it on her. It's more of like a conversation when it comes up, right? And then it's not, I don't become the burden. And I was like, oh, that's how. So when I explain it to people about therapy, it's like, it's not for them to give you answers. It's for you to let it out and then know that it's not coming out of this space. And then the more you talk about it, the more you identify it, Yeah, I
0: can can tell you, I can almost remember. So I I started going, um, I I guess about, about 18, 19 months ago. Uh, when i transitioned out of my other business like okay you know i've given this thing um seven days a week for 10 years you know traveling out of the country 150 days a year like i'm just i'm exhausted i'm not sleeping i'm just grinding and working so i want to make sure that i got somebody there that can kind of let me know if i'm if i'm going to a place where i need to you know it's like a safety net right so Uh, I'll never forget first episode or first episode, the first, first session I go in and you go in, you know, you kind of go through and they ask you questions and, you know, and then by the second time, by the end of the second session, I I think I talked nonstop for like 30 minutes. Right. And then session three through probably six, I don't know that my therapist said anything other than, Hey Shane, how are we doing today? (laughs) And then it was just like, it was like this, this this nonstop and I remember I remember after the like fifth or sixth session I looked at the clock and I was like every time like we're supposed to only have an hour and we go for like an hour and 45 minutes two hours in here and she doesn't say anything and like so finally I said I came in at like the seventh session it has to be the seventh session for some reason that sticks out to me and I said so like I don't know if I'm doing this right, but you haven't hardly said anything, and you know I don't mean disrespect, but I'm paying you to come in here, and she's like, just keep doing what you're doing. Like this is this is, uh, and I, and and at first I was like I, I had that mindset. I was like, wait a second, like why am I paying you to sit here and you know for me to talk? And then we finally got so then I then then once you get out, like you you take the pressure off the valve, if you will. Um, then it becomes one of those things to where then you start asking questions. Well, you know, I'm having this thought process and I'm going through this and, and, and I'll never forget. And I'm sure you've heard this. Yes, you, you'll ask about something It's like, is, was this, am I wrong for thinking like this or am I wrong? And, and they'll look at you and say, well, do you feel wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, whoa, wait a second here. Like, right to you? <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah. I'm I'm trying to get some confirmation. And then, yeah. and then finally we got to the point to where you know, she would ask, she was like, well, do you want me to give you my opinion on, on where this is? And, and you just got to understand that process and go through. And I think so many people don't, um, that, and that's why, I mean, I I didn't expect us to, to dive that far into it uh, on here, but, but I kind of let you go because, um, I I think it's something, it it needs to become more commonplace. It's, it's, I, I tell people, um, we all have mental health, right? Like it's either good or it's bad. It's like, can, can I go out, you know, can I go outside right now, run a 5k and not, you know, not pass out or can I, you know, can I go do it and, and feel good and still function the rest of the day? Right. So yeah. that's, that that's really a lot of what it is. I actually today, yesterday we released our uh, most recent episode and, um, he, he was a Colonel in the army right. and, um, He's an author and, um, he, he went through a scenario where, um, he got out, was dealing with some PTSD, um, almost killed himself one night. Um, pretty wild story actually got pulled over uh, on, like he was driving a car to go drive it off a cliff, had been drinking, got pulled over. And he, he told, he told that cop he's like, you saved my life. He said, you know, you don't, you don't know this, but you saved my life. He didn't even call his wife got out of he went to jail that night mm. had had not called his wife not given her any idea came out and he called her and before he could say anything about what happened she said I can't deal with this anymore I can't deal with you you've got to get some help and if you don't get help you'll never talk to me you'll never talk to your daughter again mm. and he was like okay I got to I got to I got to do something about this yeah. Yeah. and 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 my therapist so I think I think you and I are probably a lot alike, uh, in some ways. And I, w- I would be, um, I'm, I'm keen to, uh, to keep a relationship with you after this, um, uh, to connect because not, and I think, you know, this not a lot of people understand to this, like, not a lot of people have this level of emotional intelligence to be able to talk and communicate and dive into these things. And that's not a disrespect to other people. It's they are not there yet. Yeah. 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 know, Yeah. And you, and you got to get there. So I think more people need to get there. I think more people need to understand that my my therapist calls it. She says, I have a, uh, um, I have a Batman complex, so I feel like I have to save everybody else. Right. Mm. Like it, like you said, everybody comes to you with their problems. That's the way it's always been. Cause I've, I, I developed my self-awareness and, uh, my emotional intelligence looking back on it now, at a very, very young age. Um, I've always known who I was. I've always understood. Um, I've always been able to, um, you know, I just recently had a, a conversation with a friend of mine who I graduated high school, back, you know, high school with played all four years of varsity, went through these things. And he was like, man, he's like, you're." he's like, I look at you now and in business and doing these things. He said, like you were this motivator and I used to hate it. You were always clapping and always yelling and talking in practice and talking on defense. He's like, man, we used to hate it. Like, dude, just shut up. He's like, but now I totally get it. He's like, I talk, like he's like, I, I," he's like, you're this exact same person. You just got, you just got older and put on some weight. Like, (laughs) like, you know, it's just, it's the difference. And so I think it's important. So, so let me ask you this. Um, you, so you speak, um, you travel around and and you, and you give talks. Is that, is that a, is that, is that the largest majority of what you do um, from a from a day to day standpoint?
1: So, so to go back to um, because it all connects. Um, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: With uh, what happened with my dad, that kind of was traumatic, and then I went back to working as a Kip uh, at Kip as a restorative justice coordinator, and it went well. Finished off the year, but things were starting to change, and then um, I was just going right, and I didn't really get time to like really process everything I was going to therapy but I needed more like time and my wife thankfully she was like you know what Uh, we're both working Uh, we went through something real rough why don't you take the year off and and work and build your business so after in 2019 the summer 2019 I quit Kip, and I ended up um, creating my business so I was doing it for several years but I never had an LLC so in the summer of 2019, I finally um, copy wrote my stuff and then uh, built the business um, finally um, and, and, and made it uh, a thing. And then I started doing my business full time. So I had a whole year before the pandemic happened to really use how scary! How
0: scary was that?
1: It, it was a lot easier having um, the support of my wife. Right. My wife was there. Um, she was working full time. And you know, I mean, my daughter was starting a new, she was starting kindergarten for the first time, public school. First time she was going to private school before. So it was easy. Cause I was home so I could like deal with that and I could connect with my daughter and then I can also build my business while she's at school. And I make my travel travel arrangements and everything like that. So, um, it was a huge experience for me because one, I had to I had to process my own stuff instead of just going, going, going. You know how we get, especially when you start a business, like you just tend to forget. Oh, like, I'm wide like, open. Yeah, yeah. You tend to forget that you have your own trauma. So, um, it was it was better to like connect the dots even more, right? Um, and, and seeing how the work that I was doing was way bigger than me, right? Because restorative practices actually saved my life. Like, I was teaching it to these kids, but while I'm teaching it to the kids, I'm teaching it to my damn self. Like, I'm telling yeah. them what to do, and it's a reminder for me what to do, right? Yeah. Like, what to do when I get home with my wife, what to do with my daughter. And it's still a process. Like, we, we like to be, um, you know what I mean, try to be the best fathers, best husband, but sure. we still have our moments sure. where we get caught up, right? And we just like, we're present, but we're not there, right? I mean, we're there, but we're not present. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, and, and and that's still something that I have to constantly remind myself. Sure, of sure, absolutely. properly, so um, I'm building it, building it. I'm actually making big deals now. Um, this past year, where I'm making huge, big deals that I've never done before. Um, and it was working. Then the pandemic happened. Um, yeah. I was able to. I made enough money. Let's just say this: I made the money up to. I made enough money to survive for the year, right before mm-hmm. the pandemic. So it was a successful year. But and then with anything happening, um, my wife had put us on, this, uh, on um, a plan to get rid of debt. Yep. So, um, you know, I was fighting to go get a regular job again because like, I believe in myself. I can do this. I'm confident, um, probably overconfident. i was like, I can do this now and full time. But, um, you know, I, essentially with the pandemic going the way it was, um, I was able to go get a job. And it kind of created a position for me um kip had built a brand new elementary never opened before so found a school and they called me and the principal was an administrator at the school that i was a Kip um before okay coordinator um so she created a position um and she said what do you want to call it i was like you know um she got me in as a teacher first and then she was like i want to create the position for you um and i said let's call it restorative power after my business um and basically i'm teaching kindergarten through sixth grade on everything that i built my curriculum in and and teaching them the skills on like the other this week um so i'm built i'm I'm running my business and i'm back in education now but i'm basically getting my reps up i'm looking at it like basketball like
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
1: that helps me build on my business even more and practice my skills on a daily basis right so um basically i had a curriculum for high school and now i'm building a curriculum for elementary for example, we're doing life skills and um, like what I tell the kids all the time, like you're not talking for people to know your business. We're trained to say, don't keep yourself, don't, don't let nobody know your stuff, whatever happens in a household state, in a household and all you're doing is this. And yeah. then when you get older, you're told to break that damn wall down. It's yeah, like- So, if, so Carlos, that, I,
0: tell, I tell people, um, I, I believe we actually have what, what I call a silent epidemic yep. um, in the United States. And that's when I'm from the South um, yeah. but it, but it's not just in the South. Now in the South, we grow up and you're told not to talk about, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about people's money mm-hmm. and uh, you don't talk about racism, right? Yeah. Well, how in the world do we ever educate ourselves or learn anything <laughs> about if we don't ever talk about it? So,
1: uh, exactly.
0: so I'm a, I'm a very outspoken person um, and I call the spade a spade when I see it. And uh, a lot of times that is interpreted. Uh, and I tell people, accountability feels like an attack when you're not prepared to acknowledge how your actions harm other people. And so when you call, when you call things out and you, and you, and you point things out, whether it's a local pastor in the church or, you know, a local, you know, city councilman or whatever it is for doing something or not doing something at all, when action should be taken, it's interpreted as, I hate the church. I'm yep. anti-religion. Yeah. No, it's for me, everything comes down to accountability and
1: yo, you're my type of people. Shane. Man. <laughs> well,
0: well, I think, I think you and I are going to, so, so for the listeners and people watching, Car- Carlos and I have, this is our very first time ever having a conversation. So yeah. so you're seeing our friendship come together <laughs> uh, live and in person, not just uh, um, not, not pre-planned or anything exactly. like that.
1: And yo, listen, like for me, um Even with that, everything you said is powerful because, look, I don't be completely honest with you. I'm one that I was trained to conform. Right. I was trained to follow, be disciplined and all that. But I can fall in line. Right.
0: But 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 that but that's all that also now. So now we're going to maybe dabble into a different topic. So that's where we talk about racism and different things. So that's when, when you're talking about people of color. That's what you're told you have to do in order yeah, to definitely. to to maintain it and to, and to, and to monitor through society of well you got to blend in right yeah, so yeah. so there are a lot of people so so you talk about being from Puerto Rico and having a brother who's three or four shades darker you I I've I've got a friend of mine who's from Puerto Rico he grew up down in Opelika Florida and he's probably the shade of your shirt. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 we talk about it and, and he talks so and you know this in yep. the internal friendly yep. uh jabbing discussions of people of color, you know, a person of dark shade and a person of light shade. There's there's benefits, you know, it's it's the jokes of you know, light skinned dudes are in or dark skinned dudes are in, and it's this. Well, y- you sometimes, and I know you've dealt with this, you sometimes have been on the outskirts of even your world because there's- because of you can shave your beard yeah. and all of a sudden now you blend in with That's you it. and I don't look that much different, right? That's so
1: I, I went to a school um, predominantly white and I noticed if I talk a certain way, I could stay in a room longer than other people, like straight up, like I sure. knew, knew that. And it became a, a place, a, a training of me like, you know what, this is why I came up in college. I'm, I worked on this idea of a universal appearance. I could walk into any room and connect with anybody, right? But that was from my privilege. I used to say that a lot, but I never really said it like, that's privilege right there in itself. That's privilege that I can do that, right? Yeah, you, so, you
0: have you, you have a different layer of being a chameleon that other people yeah, don't have. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly, and I, I started recognizing that I had to call it out for what it is. Uh, for me, because I was trained to conform and fall in place and everything like that, naturally, I saw the hypocrisy that was going on around me in my household, in my community where I started gravitating to realness, right? All my, and even my, my wife is the biggest truth teller. Like she will straight up tell you how, what you look like and how you're coming off, right? She tells me like when I'm putting up content, like why did you put that up? Like she'll ask you and then she will you know, you're coming off like this from a perspective. Like, I, and all my friends growing up, like my, my best friend, um, Nate, we went to college and he was like a mentor, He's older than me, a mentor, but truth tellers. Everybody around me is truth tellers. And what I would tell people, if you're not that type of person, that's cool because I wasn't, right? And I wouldn't say I am, right? Where I'm like, or like naturally it's easy, it's not easy for me to tell people the truth, right? But I surround myself around truth tellers, right? And the more you surround yourself around people, right? You start carrying that type of behavior as well. And you see the, the, the value in it. So now I'm that type of person now over years of like, Putting myself around people that were different, right? That will be tell you the truth and see the hypocrisy. I've went to churches. I've seen the hypocrisy. I have family members that are um, that are gay or lesbian, and seen like coming from a Catholic church, and, and I was like, I was like, what? Why are they saying that? Like and like legit in the church and just like yo they're going to burn me you and know? i'm like yeah
0: yeah yeah,
1: what? yeah, yeah. And, I, and then from a very young age i said you know what i'd rather just read the bible and perceive it myself when i'm ready like this is too much this yeah, is no someone doubt. i this is someone's opinion on what they read right like they they twisting it up now
0: well you know? yes yeah, it's, it's not only their opinion but it's also an external insight into their biases and prejudices exactly. and exactly. fears cuz yep. cuz all, all any any we hate someone or we or we don't feel comfortable around someone it is because of some internal things it's like i've got i I know i know people who are terrified of people um when it comes to homosexuality right Mm -hmm. oh if my if i found out my child's teacher was was gay i would pull them out of the class or whatever and it's like like do you think this, like if I'm, if I rub up against you, like it's going to rub off on me. Like, what, what do you think? Like this, but again, it's this fear and not understanding and not knowing, Uh, but it's also, it also goes back to what we said of not having these conversations. These these conversations have to be had. It's, it's, it's no different. And I've talked about it multiple times. It's no different. Me being a white guy, I'm white as white can be. I'm born and raised in Kentucky, but because of my experiences, I can go walk in the West end of Detroit where there are no white people and be completely comfortable because of my life and the life prior to what I had in this one. And you know, these different things, it should be commonplace for a white guy like me to be able to have a conversation like this with you, um, and, and to that, and even in the education world, it ha- and and I'll be honest with you. I think that's a lot of where it can start and and it has to start because we have to show kids that's where, that's where we see what's normal. Right. So like, that's where we're trained, like outside of our household. Oh, wait a second. Like this, teacher can play basketball and she's a female and I didn't know that right like maybe if your mom wasn't a basketball player you didn't that wasn't normal to you so you didn't you know you go through so that's where we become exposed and 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 things become more commonplace I think in a lot of it um Carlos let me let me ask you this why why do you do what you do
1: oh man I think that's a great question, by the way. And I think that's a question that everybody needs to ask. And that's a question that I asked my my, my fifth graders uh, yesterday, actually, like, why, why? when well, that was the topic of the class, why do we do what we do? And the, uh, the bigger topic was gossip. Why do people gossip? And figuring out the why. And once you figure out the why, you can do the what, right? Uh, for me, I've always, when I was younger, I used to say, I want to be an example. I want to be an idea for people that come from what I come from to see something different and be, you know, see a different path, right? Uh, but now, I think it's bigger. I think it has nothing to do with me anymore. For me, I think um, seeing what happened to my father, mm-hmm. seeing what's happening to kids, and there's this kid that I, I deal with, uh, I dealt with at Kip Houston High School, that rem- splitting image of my father. I'm telling you splitting his behaviors, his mannerisms, yep. swag and everything. He was popular, but he, he looked like he had everything together on the outside, but the inside he was like burning yeah, yeah, yeah. up. Stay in contact with them and all that. But I think it's it's a need, right? There's so much bull going on in this world. Like we have these kids focusing on history and other people's stuff and all this, you know what I mean knowing all this information and knowing themselves less. Right? So I I built the curriculum so that you know I play I I was in the school system so I learned the tricks and how to get in the door and this and that and I was speaking and everybody you know I mean everybody wants restorative practices but they just want to paint over their problems right and not really fix it right so I was like okay let me create something 30 plus lesson plans unit plans like um Projects, assessments, like how do you make it measurable, right, with restorative practices. And even thinking like, why isn't this even done yet? Why hasn't even anyone done it? Um, To put it out there to bigger purpose so that what happens to my father doesn't happen again to someone else. Like the conversations that I'm having with the kids now in these classes um, are things that I think would have saved my father's life if he had gotten exposure to it sooner. And the main thing that happened with my father is that he felt that he was crazy and there was something wrong with him because he was having normal thoughts that everybody does and he didn't know how to like deal with them or talk about them or even have the skills to go talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. This thing was like, let me get drunk. Let me say how I truly feel. Let me mess things up, right? And then I'll come back and when I'm sober, I'm sorry. That's not really me. Yeah, no, sabotaging.
0: sabotaging yeah, yeah,
1: and for me, I always told, I was like, i hear the truth when you're drunk like don't say that's not how you feel that's exactly how you feel now let's have a conversation about it and then he felt bash he felt like ashamed that he he stopped himself from continuing the conversation right i was able to go really far with him in these conversations but with my mom and with you know with um family members he was never really able to get that far and that's where he kind of you know and then me Starting out my life and and, and making that separation as a man, you know, he felt even more alone, right? I I would have never thought that would happen. But anyway, the reason why I do what I do because it's bigger than me and I think that this stuff like needs to be normalized. What we're talking in this form right now is the type of stuff I'm packaging in a educational form with educational language to students from K through twelve. I'm building an elementary curriculum right now. I have a high school curriculum already that i'm 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 having, i'm working with schools to help implement into so it's implemented into two schools in New York and one in texas and i'm I'm building with uh getting it all over because I think it's it's bigger than me and this work needs to be normalized so that we save more lives and just you know make people feel like there's there that you're you're not crazy we're not crazy right sure. happen, right now yeah. what
0: we I, I I tell people if if you don't have some stuff going on i'm more con- i'm more concerned about people who say they don't have anything going on in their life and that they haven't been through anything those those people make me uncomfortable because <laughs> um because i'm 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 very um i mean i've been through a lot i've had friends uh i've actually got a podcast not with this so i, I do a couple different podcasts and i've got one um i'm actually going to have three friends uh come on and all of them um, we're, I think, I think between the three of them, they were all convicted and sentenced to over 35, 40 years in prison. Mm. Um, and you know, it's, it's going through and it's like, why? And these guys, they'll tell you, like, they look at me like a brother, like, I'm. you know, they, they love me, but I, I always beat myself up. I wouldn't say beat myself up, but one of the biggest questions I always have, and I, and I guess it's still why I go to therapy now is try and figure out why, why have I been able to figure it out? Like, good. like, like what is different? Because some of them had, you know, both parents in the home, they had great, you know, they had good upbringings, like, but why, you know, why, you know, I'm, I've had a gun pulled on me three times in my life. Right. Like, but why, why did I not go? Most of them finished higher than I did academically in high school. Like you know, the these different things. So, I tell you what's probably, and I didn't expect this, and and this is how kind of a lot of these podcasts go. Is where, um, I think the biggest value out of what will come out of this episode is maybe for educators to hear two people who come from different backgrounds but similar stories, um, and know that we were We were a high school kid at one day too, so maybe it will help understand or spark a spark a mindset or a thought process. so So my next question to you is, what is something that you wished or looking back? What is something that that an educator could have done that maybe didn't do, that could have helped? Kickstart your healing process sooner than when it was? Was there anything you can think of?
1: I think I've been very blessed with uh, what happened. Um, I think, and this is the thing too, I think we don't talk about this enough. Sometimes we have the people there giving us the information, and it's not the person we want it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About yeah. that person. And I think yeah. that's a bigger problem. I wanted for so long for it to be my father. To tell me the information. That my coach was telling me. And it wasn't until. I think. My father. Had that conversation with me. And he. And that's the best thing. My father ever did. He allowed other men. To enter my life. To fill gaps. That he couldn't fill. That's. Yes. And I look at it now. How big. That was. Because my man. My my father was a macho. Like. Grew up on the street. Like he tattoos all over. And that's another thing. My dad. My dad did time too. He went to Rikers Island. My first. Freshman year of college. I was dealing with. You know, I was walking around like happy and everything. And my dad's calling me from prison. Yeah. Right. And like my dad is also a product of the school to prison pipeline to so go back to the reason why I do what I do. Sure. So sort of practices is to end the school to prison pipeline. So let, me, so let me ask you
0: this then. Let me ask you this. And this is a really deep question. Um, and I by no means mean to offend you in any way no, no. by asking. Um, it almost sounds like in having sit and listen to your journey and hear and listen to your story. It almost sounds like there's a version of you that is now trying to create a system because a lot of people, like, like I go back and I create a system to, to, to catch myself mm. years ago. So that, so that other people don't cause that, cause we go through it. Like, I don't want my kids to like, yeah, yeah. I want my kids to be successful, but I never want them to go through what I went through as a kid. So like, mm-hmm. how do you do that double edged sword? Yeah. What I pick up from you and I may totally be wrong. And maybe you've never thought about this, but it sounds like you're actually trying to create a system that would catch your dad before your dad became who he was. So, so, so then it come, came through. Cause you, you, you kind of, you didn't have those same like system that you didn't have the same system. Like, yes, you've dealt with racism and different things throughout your life, obviously. Um, But, but the system didn't snag you like it snagged your dad and create this cycle. And it almost feels like that's maybe what you're trying to go back and fix.
1: A little, a little bit of that, because it's weird. I'm in, I'm, I'm conflicted because my father coming from the street, being knowing the gang life, knowing um, you know, that world, right? I grew up in those communities and nobody would mess with me because my dad would protect me. Correct. Like, people knew who my father was. Yeah. So like, I was able to see that world. And then my mom is an educator. 30 plus years in education. So like, okay. he, he married a college educated woman and I got to see two worlds. My dad's family was completely opposite to my mom's family. My yeah. mom, all her kids came from a very poor environment. All six kids went to college. Okay. One of them went to Oxford. Like I, I saw two different yeah, worlds. You saw, you,
0: saw, right? you saw the growth and you saw chaos. Yeah. All, all, yeah, all, all yeah. yeah.
1: So chaos trying to become something different, right? Yeah. So, I know, and that's why when you said, "Do I wish somebody would have done something differently as an educator?" I think, I think life happens for a reason, right? It's all about how we perceive it and what and what how we take it and reflect on. And we need to. I think the biggest thing is we need to reflect more on what our situations are and what happened to us, because usually the answers are in your path—is whether you want to pick it up and run. Or you want to leave it there because it's not who it's not how it's was supposed to happen to you in your head. All that bull of like I wanted to be my father when it was my coach, and then my coach is my second father now. Like Coach Powell, yeah. I yeah. talk to him all. I tell him I love him. Like it, it, it's crazy, you know what I mean? And it's it's so caught up in this idea of the loyalty that you have to have and that's the best thing my father did like he was able to break that bull because he was he he dealt with that bull with his family he was trying to get away from his family and build something different so anybody can do it but i think you have to be willing to let go a little bit you know what i mean some people get caught up in like i need to make i need to keep certain people around me even family you have to like let go sometimes
0: yeah so so I, so i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to share with you some personal stuff that i've not publicly talked about um a whole lot so so uh so my dad my dad was a big part of uh my life and and the and the violence and abuse that i um that i went through mm. um and when i was when i was in i i think i think my my oldest two i i had two i had two kids by the time i was 23 mm. um and um their mom and i got divorced and I said I didn't grow up knowing either one of my grandfathers both of my grandfathers were alcoholics I, I think I saw one on my mom I think he saw him once on my mom's side my grandfather and my dad's side was always um uh, we would know he was in town because you could drive by the local bar that he would go to and you'd see his car parked but I never I don't I think I may be like as a kid, met him once, twice. And it was like in a parking lot saying hi. Like, you know, it wasn't anything, like no emotional connection. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I made this, uh, I wish I still had the email. Um, but I wrote an email and it said, I, I can't forget what happened to me and what you did and the things that you said, but I can forgive you. So, so the, the, so there's another pace of the story. So, so I went through and I did that because I felt like it was more important for me to let go of my stuff. So my kids could, cause my dad changed and, and, and he was not that same type of person. So then fast forward, we have more of a brother relationship than we did a dad. Like I would call and check really? him. Like if he wasn't like, like, nah, man, like this is not how we're going to go, you know, and then. Um, so I, I speak out pretty publicly about, about my stuff and I share my journey. Um, and up until about 10 months ago, 11 months ago, I never really, um, I just said, Hey, here's what happened to me. And, um, I would never actually like place blame or like state where certain things came from. And uh, I got a phone call and and this is kind of relating to like you saying, you got to let family go and you got to break certain things. So um, I got a phone call by dad's like, Hey, you know, can, you know, can we have a chat like Sunday night? I was watching football. I was like, yeah, sure. What's up. And he says, so something's been bothering me for a couple of years, but I haven't said anything. And uh, now I think it's starting to, to, to affect you and, and make people look at you some way. And I want to bring it up. And he's like, you know, kind of beating around the bush. And finally he's like, why do you feel the need to to speak so publicly or talk about things on social social media about about and your life? And I, I said a
1: book, though.
0: And, and that's, I said, so so I'm in the process of writing my first book. So <laughs> so I said, so I said, Well, I don't know, what are you talking about? He's like, Well, you know, people are coming to me and telling me I don't pay any attention to social media, but people are coming to me and telling me, you know, he's teaching at a school. Right. So, so I, I, to be fair, I told him, I said, look, I've always, I've never called you out by name and I've given you grace, even though you didn't ask for it, I given you grace to wait until you retire before I publicly actually yeah. talk. Um, even then, right. Still kind of holding on to something like thinking that you got to save somebody or, you know, looking out for other people's well being before you look out for yourself. And I said, um, and I said, well, I said, no, I said, I said, I'm, I said, you know, I don't care what these other high school teachers or people that are friends with me on Facebook in this little town you live in. Like, I don't like, I mean, I travel the world. Like, I don't like, I'm, you think I'm worried about what, you know, the town of, 2000 people thinks of me, like I could care less. Like I don't And if they have an issue, you know, and I, and I was being very aggressive and I told him, I said, well, I'm a grown man. Like you give them my phone number. And if they've got a question about something about my life that they don't like, pick them up and have them call me. i was absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm a big guy too. So you don't, I mean, I'm, I'm six, six, I got big shoulders. I'm, I'm a big guy. And I said, um, I said, you know, well, let's, let's chat. Let's, but I know the answer and that's not going to happen. Right. So the conversation got a little bit, es- you know, escalated. And I told him, I said, look, I said, I'm not like, he said, I can't believe you would do this to your family. Mm-hmm. And I said, excuse me. And he said, he said, I would never disrespect my mother or my father like this. And I said, I would never put my hands on my kids the way you did or say the things to my kids the way you did. So don't you dare compare me. Cause we're not the same. And, uh, cause I don't spank, I don't do those things. That's just not how, that's just not how I get down. And, uh, you know, when he said that, he said, I would never disrespect my last name like that. I said, what am I holding on to? It means nothing. I don't know any of my family, there's no, no one stepped up and said anything when everything was going on. Nobody intervened. Nobody, nobody pulled me out of the house. Nobody, like nobody did it. What am I, who am I like, what honor am I, am I standing? If that's the honor I'm standing in then screw that, like I'm out. So, so oh. I get it. So so eventually the conversation got to the point of, well, if you don't stop talking about these things, then we can no longer have a relationship. And I told him, I was like, well, then that's a the decision you got to make and I'm out. And, uh, you know, then that's on you. You can have a relationship with my kids, but you'll never have another, you know, you'll never have another casual conversation with me. And, you know, and I say, even the fact that you didn't pick up the phone, like you didn't come see me and have this conversation face to face, that you did it safely from the other side of a phone. I'm good. So, so I can relate and and know that-
1: More than you can believe. I had that same conversation, but my father was able to put his pride aside eventually and we were able to build off of that. But like I wrote my, my first book and what the thing I focused on my first book was, um, I talked about my, from my eyes. Like I'm talking from the from my lens and things that I saw and that made me who I am. Yeah. And there was certain things like my first chapter is talking about how I identified alcohol as an issue. And I saw my father blacked out in the tub. And then the first, and then it's like a journal. So the first couple questions in the book are, What happened to you? Who do you need to talk to? What questions you need to ask? Because it was a process of like me asking the wrong questions. Like, yo, what the hell? Why don't you just stop drinking? And then when I got older, like high school age, I matured very quickly, like seeing the the bull. And I was like, yo, why do you drink? Because it became bigger. It was like, I want to know why so that I can figure out for me why I shouldn't drink, right? And when I was able to ask the right questions, I seen the power in that. So that's how my book was formulated, and then there was one chapter where it was like, um, how something that happened with him and my mom, and he took real offense to that, and it was just like, and I didn't say exactly what it was, but you know, what I mean, and that's why he was like similar to what you said, like you, 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 what your father said, was like, why would you say that? I don't want people, blah, blah. I was like, why would you have exposed me to yeah, that?
0: Why'd you do it? Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, the moment. Yeah, book. the moment like you, you did the act. act.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you you, you,
0: lost, you lost you lost right. you lost any right to to, yeah. to have your name not tarnished by it.
1: Like you, you what you want me to hide that trauma? That's my trauma, and that's that's the yeah. whole therapy. What we saying? You want me to hide my trauma for the rest yeah. of my life? Because if I if I'm trained to not say it in a book or in with other family members or whatever, I'm gonna be trained not to say it to myself. Absolutely, right? that's, that's gonna build, and that's what I tell my kids all the time. You're not saying it, like I say. It, that's our motto in the class. Um, we're not saying our stuff for people to know our stuff better it's for us to know it better than anybody else because sure. if you know it better than anybody else there's power behind that you stuff. unstoppable.
0: stop i even spoke i even spoke to a sibling and i was like hey i'm just gonna let you know here's the conversation that was had i'm no longer giving grace so when you see these things come out and you see these things public and and again she already knew that these things had happened and i said look i'm not and they were like well you know, maybe you shouldn't put those things on Facebook. You know, maybe write a blog. I was like, what does it matter? Like, th- this is the I- this is the issue. Like, exactly. I don't ever want my children to think that someone can hurt them, harm them, and they can't speak out and communicate exactly. about it.
1: That's the biggest thing.
0: And and and, and for me, it, it was always. And I say it with a smile. So if you're watching this, I'm saying it with a smile because I'm unbelievably at peace with my life. I have been for. 20 years, right? Like I'm, I'm, I am, I am so at peace with my life. I don't have a relationship with my mother or my father. Um, and you know, people say, you know, that it's that, and when you come from the inner city or you come from a, what I'll call it a, a hip hop, even influenced, uh, environment, you know, you all, you know, you, you know, never disrespect, you know, always your mother, your father. Well, yeah, that sounds good when they're there and they're the, a majority of the reason for your joy and your happiness. But the moment that's flipped around, like, I'm not like I, I, you gave birth to me. That doesn't give you a, 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 a carte blanche access to, you know, destroy me. Right. And, um, and my family, they didn't get me. I look back on it now. I mean, was I a jerk? Of course. Was I a headache at times? Of course I was. Right. But what kid isn't? Right. Like th- that's not, it's not my job as a kid
1: exactly,
0: to be the best, like it's your job to figure out why I'm like this. Right. Hey. So then that environment I'm going through, and, and and I think even kind of circling back to educators know that when that kid walks in and you know, he tells you F you to your face. Yeah. You can kick him out of class and that's your right. And he, that's the, what the rules say. And that's what he, you know, that's what should happen, but know that like, there's a reason, he did that. Right. There's a reason. And and you talked about like, sometimes you don't have the voice or you don't hear it from somebody else. That's a lot of times what I get the phone calls or, and I'll tell you, it's kind of, at at first I didn't, I've, I've always been comfortable with it, but at first I didn't, um, I didn't really understand it, but I'll get phone calls a lot of times from people dealing with, um, kids of color that, um, that are struggling with authority or struggling. So, so because they don't in their environment, um, maybe this child didn't grow up with a, um, a person of color male in their environment. So they, so they, they shy away from that or they don't listen. So I have a unique ability to where I can go and sit down and being a white guy. And now I can speak the same language. I know the same slang. I know the same, you know, the, uh, you know, I, I know gang talk, I know these different things and we can, we can have a conversation. And now it's like, Oh, like it almost catches them off guard to where it's like, they, they, they let their guard down a little bit. And they're like, Oh, wait a second. Like, Oh, okay. Like, so yeah, look, so now let's take a deep breath for a second. Right. Let's, let's talk through this and let's deal with, I, I was just, I did an interview with a teacher or with a, with a principal down in Texas. And he was like, man, he's like, look, I know you get paid to talk, and you know we can we can work some stuff out when this goes. But um, I have a kid here who is exactly like you, um, and and this is his—he's a senior, but he's been here. He he failed, so he's been back. Uh, he's been back a year. He's like, if I bring him into my office, can can you maybe schedule some time just to have a chat with? Well, I'm like, I'd love to. I'd yeah. love to do that because because that's what it means. And going back to what you said, you carried this burden that I have to again, it goes back to the, I I go back It's a Batman. It's a Superman complex, right? Is I feel like it's my job to protect everybody. And I think we have to figure out how to create a narrative that it's actually my job to take care of myself first, then I can go. But in order for me to help people, like, like I told you about my friends in prison, right? I got a friend of mine, unbelievable athlete um i'm getting him to the point to where he's comfortable talking out and sharing his journey but uh could dunk from the free throw line in high school um went uh uh never really practiced never really gave it everything he actually re- never took it serious yeah. senior year uh sets a state record in the long jump comes second in the triple jump and wins the 100 meters gets track athlete of the year Right. I've always been in his hind end, like, dude, work. Put your like get your life together. He called me from prison one time. Ah oh, man, I said, Hey, what what type of classes are you taking? I don't really have any time for classes right now. I lost it. He's like, I'm playing on this basketball team. I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, Don't you ever call me again and tell me. You don't have time. That's all you have is time. So you next time you call me back, call me back and tell me what you're doing to fix yourself so that when you get out, you don't end up back. And I hung up on him. And, of course, he called me right back. Man, what are you doing? I told you. Don't call me. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not playing. But I've always been that way. I've all, you talked about radical candor. Um, you have to be that way. And, you know, what are we protecting? By nothing we're protecting we're protecting the things that keep harming us that's what we're doing exactly. when we go about it
1: and i and even deeper because you were talking about kids that are dealing with mm, kids of color that are dealing with uh struggles with discipline in school yeah. and all yeah and it's, it goes even deeper because um i have a daughter my daughter's mixed um and she's going to a school that's predominantly white and and then looking at and then seeing how the education system, me and my wife like paying real close. My wife is an educator as well. Okay. We paying close attention to how things are being set, how things are set up. First of all, the stuff that they're learning, um, and how how everything is being portrayed a certain way, right? And, and it's crazy. Like we're looking at the statistics too, and how everything's set up with education. It's set up a certain way. The police department is set up. A of certain, course. Education set up a certain way. There's a reason why. We have in these issues. Look at kindergarten and first grade teachers. Most of them are white,
0: young, women, young, inexperienced white women. White Absolutely. women
1: that have the privilege that are married, usually to someone that is an engineer or doctor or someone that can give them the opportunity to have a teaching job, right, yeah. and afford it, right. Yeah. And usually they say, you know, kids that from color, black students that um, have experience with a black teacher or someone that looks like them um from like third grade and up usually end up graduating going to college more often right that does something i'm seeing what it does like we're doing all the work at home picking up like giving her the extra education of like what is black excellence and and what is um latino culture and everything like that sure and we we have to do that extra work but we see like the trends and everything that's going on like you know i mean within these schools it's crazy like even being an educator like it's crazy to think they, like, you want to, they, it's set up to make you feel like you should come back to your community to help. But yet, if you're trying to come out of that community, it doesn't fund you to come back. No. It makes no sense, there's no way. That's another
0: myth that we're told. Exactly. Yeah. Don't forget where you came yeah. from. I don't want to forget where I came from, but I don't ever want to come back. Like,
1: exactly, like, there's yeah. no way as an educator, talking from an educational perspective, there's no way you could fund that lifestyle if you're trying, if you're that elevated type mindset, that you came from that situation, and you're trying to come out of it, you get to a certain place that you're trying to live a certain lifestyle and continue to elevate your family, right? It's very hard to do that, it, to come back into those communities and, and continue to maintain or continue to grow from there, right? And that's why even me, I created my own business alongside teaching, because I've seen a bigger opportunity. And now yep. I have where like i've seen a gap that i think needs to be filled but like if you're just trying to stay in education because you love education it's a trap and then what how do people how are educators in this country view (laughs) like horrible like yeah i think that
0: narrative is i think the last six eight months um are actually going to help fix that narrative because you know teachers have historically been underpaid overworked and uh, and asked to do way more than what they you know what they should be doing. Then all of a sudden, our economy starts to go down because schools aren't open, and people say, "Oh, wait a second we, we can't we can't generate money unless teachers go in and you're in school and you do these mm-hmm. things." So, yeah, I think I think that narrative is going to change uh, uh, for certain. And I think kind of hitting on something you said. I think um, I recently saw something somewhere that said six out of every 10 students of color did not encounter an educator that looked like them until they got to university, I think. Um, so, which is, which is kind of crazy. Right. And, and, and and I've talked to it a little bit as well of, and I know this episode, we're all over the place on a bunch of different topics, but that's, that's, that's totally okay. Um, it happens the same way with, with police officers, right? So, so police officers like in Detroit, for example, um, they had, they had a huge economic crash in Detroit, had a bunch of open uh, vacant homes and those things. So the city went and purchased a lot of these, these properties. So then they did these things like where you can be a police officer, come here, get a job and we'll give you a free house. Right. So the problem is, is people were moving into Detroit who knew nothing about Detroit. And let me explain to you, if you've never been to Detroit, it is not a place for a, a, a white male to go into that has no experience with uh, black culture or uh, black society or black environments or black neighborhoods because it is going to be such a culture shock for you that you are going to be terrified. Right. If you just because not because you have anything to fear, it's because it's going to be so opposite of rural, small town Kentucky. It's not it's not you. You're going to think you're in a foreign country. And so what happens is now those are the people who are patrolling the streets. Those are the people who are interacting with the society and those things. Of course, there's going to be issues because you don't understand it. And it happens with teachers a lot, too. Right. Teachers go into these communities and historically they're white female teachers and they walk in and you know, they, they're hearing words that they'd never heard before. And they're hearing language and slang terms that they don't understand and all these different things. And, and it, and we've got to figure out how to, it's there a, definitely has to be more cultural diversity training that happens.
1: Even deeper than that. I think it goes into like what you said earlier, the main thing we need to talk, we don't talk. We don't, yeah. I went to yeah, a, yeah, I went yeah, through yeah, a whole yeah. educational program, took all these tests, got certified, and ain't nobody tell me what I really needed to know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ain't nobody tell me the real, like, how do you connect with kids? How do you deal with certain situations that may arise? Like, nobody told me none of that. That was learned on the go, and then my personal experience and maturity along the way has caused me to get to the level that I'm at now. But no one gives you that training until you go and see one of these speakers like me or you and they tell you about it and like, oh, yeah. And they connect so strong with me because they yeah. don't hear it. And that's the crazy thing. When people hear me talk, when I speak at these big forums and these educators hear me and I do these PDs for teachers, they're like, oh, my God. It's like they've never heard it in their life, like broken down that way and so like relatable to them because we don't talk about it. Everybody wants to talk about this fantasy teaching. We're coming by, we're coming to save lives and it's going to be for the betterment of the world. That all that is bull. Like, do you need, like coming it, out- it,
0: I think it, I think it's bull if you don't actually do the steps that actually mimic that, that of process. Just, yeah. it,
1: for example, if you're trying to find purpose and your purpose is straight out of college, like I, like I was caught up in the bull. I told my wife when I first met my wife um, when I graduated college, she laughed at me. It was like, I want to go to, um, I want to go to, uh, what do you call those programs where you go and help um, third world countries?
0: Yeah, yeah. You want to go to Africa? You yeah, want I want to be, go yeah, to Africa. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Back and speak about it. You know how privileged and how like dumb that sounded coming out of yes, my mouth? No, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And I'm like, and my wife, actually yeah. learned me, she was like, you had all this you went through as a kid, and yep. you're talking about going to a different country to have something to talk about? <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the yeah, type yeah, of yeah, stuff we're caught. In. I was caught in up yeah, in the tomb. That, like,
0: that would that would be the same thing as a white person growing up and saying, I really want to go to the ghetto in the Bronx. And I want to go. Like, you would be like, you race. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, what, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Who,
1: you have the audacity. <laughs> who do you
0: think you are? To, yeah, yeah, you have yeah,
1: the audacity yeah, yeah. to think you could come yeah. in and help you. And that's that's what messes up teachers most. And yeah, that's yeah. what I. He struck like I went in there thinking that too. Oh, I come from this community, I'm gonna come and help these kids out because I can connect. That's bull. Like, it's not until you un- identify who you really are, what you're really about, and you stand in your truth and you can actually be a good teacher, you know what I mean? A good mentor. Absolutely, good, you a- know? A- a- absolutely. I we just need to talk more about just everything. We don't talk, we're trained yep. not to talk in this country. It's all I this. And if you look at me and my wife, my wife is uh, not from this country, right? And she, Where, she, where's
0: she from, if you don't mind me asking.
1: Trinidad and Tobago, Yeah, and um, she, we watch, she watches a lot of shows like home improvement shows and like where people travel the world and try to find houses and all that. And we notice in more and more um, over the type of shows, like uh, a show from the UK or Australia compared to an American show, like even how they, when you're trying to build a house, right, for example, and that me and my wife brought this to my attention and I find it comical now, it's so American where um when you're trying to find a house they go through the process of trying to build a house right and they're like oh like we want this we want that one they don't tell you how much money they make and then two they go through this period of like they do this dramatic scene before commercials like oh my god the roof fell in and then when they come back from commercial they're like oh we fixed the roof and you get no other information (laughs) and you're like What the hell? They just figured it out? Oh, that's an American dream. Like, you could just live in America and things would be fixed. Whereas in, I will watch this show from, like, the UK where it does home improvement, similar things. They say the house broke down. It took four years for me to get the money to actually fix it step by step. And my wife died when, like, she had cancer. She died in the process. And I had this motivation to finish it. And then while this was happening, my other kid got sick. And I still found the money by getting four more jobs. And it's, like, real and I was like, why doesn't why don't the American shows talk like that? And it's yeah, because yeah. they're training, e- even commercials, the yeah. television shows that are American, it's set up for ha- us to have this fantasy. Like yeah. it's not just in the education and the police world. Sure, Look at sure. the TV. It's set up. We're set up from young to be like, oh my god. Like it's just supposed to happen. It's supposed yeah, yeah. to be fixed by itself. It's gonna work. I was I thought like that, and I had to like I said, I put myself around realness. I put myself around people that are truth tellers. I ac- kept me accountable and exposed me to like the world doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know
0: what I mean, yeah. And, and it, and it develops a sense of, um, sense of entitlement mm-hmm. through, uh, through society and those kind of things. So, yep. um, I think, um, I think, I think this conversation has been great. And I, and, and I have a, I have a, a unique feeling that this won't be the, uh, uh, this won't be the last one that you and I have. So, um, what we'll do is we'll kind of we'll kind of wrap this one up. Um, and um, one, I, I, two things before we wrap it up. So, uh, one, what we historically do is I ask you two questions that are more specific to who you are, um, just so readers can or listeners can have a bit more insight into who you are, and then. Yep. Um I've been on your side of the shoes and being interviewed and i've always had other questions so i'm actually before we end i'm actually gonna allow you to ask me a question um but but before we get there um it, it this this has been this has been really really good this has been really really good and um i appreciate your uh transparency and authentic, authenticity um it's it, two things that i um you know, I, I thrive on, and they're they're a part of my own personal internal religion, if you will, of how I operate and, and how I move. So, um, one man to man, I want to I want to thank you and and say I appreciate you being as honest and forthcoming about your story, uh, because there are things that that other people, not just men, but other people out there, can learn from um, about that. And it, I think you do it for a lot of the same reasons that I do it in in that it's actually freeing in a lot of ways there it's you know it's helpful to me but it's even more helpful for other people to learn so um before we dive into those questions if you want to share a little bit um share a little bit about um your website your business um so where people can kind of find you on the socials and then we'll get to those questions
1: so um I said a bunch of different things and we talked and ditto. Like, I, I think it's, it's very refreshing to always talk to someone that has gotten to the same point of understanding, like just life experience. So uh, thank you for having me here. And just thank you for building this relationship moving forward because I, I love this, 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 this bond we're building now. Um, like I said, my business is called Translating Success LLC. Um, everything is under CJ Motivation. My name is Carlos J Malave. It's um, CJMotivation.com, where you can find all my work, my curriculum, my book is on uh, Amazon.com, where you could just type in "Translating Success: The Student Guide to Turning Your Small Wins into Big Wins," Um, or you could just type in my name on Amazon. My book has my face on it on purpose, so that people can find it, Um, and then also to be representation for kids to be like. Sure. Oh, I could be there too. And that's what I use in my school. Like while I was writing it while I was in school uh teaching in between lunch periods and after school and um and before school and having the kids be a part of it. So um so you can find my book on Amazon. Um everything is on my website. I have a YouTube channel called J Malavere. I, I do a lot of these motivational videos. I have a podcast myself, the translated success podcast on all podcast platforms. Um and then what else yeah you can um instagram is i'm very big on instagram i post every day um about a lot of the things that we talked about and something that inspires me i'm very vulnerable very open um and i'm building a, a, a curriculum at kip um a kip academy right now um elementary style so by next summer i will have um an elementary curriculum to go along with my um, high school curriculum. And I'm working with schools across the country, um, college, high school, middle school, elementary to implement restorative power, um, into their, uh, schools because it's needed.
0: Nice. Nice. So, uh, so a couple questions. Um, we all know teachers, sometimes you, uh, you have to fill in for another teacher. You got to cover somebody else's class. You got to miss your lunch. You got to miss your planning period um it typically leads into things like uh this um uh this thing we know is hangry right you get you get hungry you're trying to figure it out what's your go-to snack that you keep at the desk uh so so to keep you from from going crazy before those students walk in the classroom
1: (laughs) um any type of fruit um apple or a fruit especially in the school world you got to try to like have healthier things around you because it's easy like you know and then when there's a party or whenever um there's something going on in school you see donuts you see cake you see candy yeah. easy to fall in that trap so try to like get some type of fruit next to you um I am a snacker so I think I I have to when I'm in the school environment I try to be as conscious of like okay let me eat an apple let me have a lot of water um and stuff like that
0: Awesome awesome All right so Aside from your own, what's one book that you would recommend um, to educators out there to, to to check out?
1: For educators to check out, um, well, my favorite book of all time, The Alchemist. I think the way yeah. the story, and if you pay attention to the story of, It's a pretty Alchemist,
0: deep. That's a pretty deep book. Pretty
1: that's, deep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's it, it just goes through what we talked about. You have to go through your own experience. And guess what? You're searching for this one thing your whole life. And then you find out at the end of the book, it's in your freaking backyard, the yeah, whole yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that is how you need to look at teaching. That's how you need to look at um, education and profession. Um, sometimes the information is right there. You don't have to go to Africa to, um, you know what I mean? Help another place out that doesn't really need your help. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? To, to find who you are and what you're about and what's your purpose.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, good. it's a good book. It's not very long either. It's, not a, it's yep. not a very long book. It's a good.
1: That book inspired me. That's the first book I read cover to cover. And I talk about this in my book. I hated reading. My mom forced me to read. She's an educator for 25 plus years. She forced me to read. That's the first book I read in college. And it inspired me to write my book at 100 pages to the point with um makes you think and gives you space to think and grow
0: absolutely absolutely so so now I'm going to turn the platform over to you um for you to it can be about anything it can be about my life it can be about sports it can be literally anything before we wrap up
1: got you um what is your biggest fear
0: so this is going to sound really really cliche Um, actually it's not going to sound cliche at all. Um, so I'm going to give you the answer and then, so there's only one thing that I actually fear in this world. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the environment that I grew up in, um, going through trauma and the root of that trauma being your parents, which essentially are the people closest to you. Um, I've dealt with loss. I've dealt with things. Um, I'm kind of a weird, Sick individual, where I kind of look for the failure, I look for the loss. So I, the the only thing I actually fear are birds.
1: Birds, wild birds.
0: I have no idea. So I'm gonna give you, I can give you some a little bit of context. So um, it's not because of the movie, but there's a movie. Alfred Hitchcock did a movie called Birds. Okay. Um, and it's a crazy like these, literally these I crows I... everywhere, right? Yeah. So. I don't, I've been, like I tell you, I've, I've had a gun pulled on me three times in my life. I can walk in neighborhoods where I'm not supposed to go. I'm, I, I've never been uncomfortable. I've never been, I think some of that is ADHD. So where most people get scared, the dopamine hits for me and I feel yeah. normal. So it's kind of like, Hey, I'm good. Yeah, like, yeah. let's get down. Let's, let's go where we're going. Right. So, yeah. um, so, so I spent a lot of time in Australia. And they have, and for those of you that are listening and you're not from Australia, you've never been, um, I challenge you to YouTube search magpies. So magpies are like a giant crow, but they have like white spots on them.
1: Yeah.
0: And during their breeding season, they are very protective of their territory. Mm. So they will swoop down and they will pop you on the head. Right. Right. So I'm walking in in Melbourne, um, in Melbourne, Australia, uh, at Albert Park, beautiful park. It's a big lake, right in the middle of right in the middle of the city. Yeah. And I'm walking through, and I'll never forget when this happened to me. All of a sudden, I see this shadow. I can see it on the ground. The shadow getting close, and I kind of duck down. When I do, pop me square on the head. Right. Jeez. Then about um about. Sh- Two or three trips later, uh, I was at a school, John Paul College, uh, super super nice high school or the K through twelve private school, and um, they're walking around, they're showing me the grounds, and I'm walking around, and um, all these students had just had just changed classes, so they're all like you can see them all in the windows, they're all in uniforms, great school, and the lady giving us a tour. I had one of my guys that work for me and we're walking across this lawn. I don't know how to replicate the sound that this bird made, but this bird, it's called a, um, it's a plover. A plover is, and it's got like this weird, like, like where it's wings. Like, you know how, like your wings, like they go out and they go like this. Well, like right here. On what I would say, the elbow is like this nodule. It's almost like a spike. Yeah. And like, um, like they're like kamikaze you. Like yeah. they're like. And when I say wingspan, I'm six six. So like, yeah. like yeah. this big wingspan. All of a sudden, there's three of them, full wingspan, just going everywhere. She's like, run, 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 and I'm like, what you mean? What? What do you mean, run? Like what? Like what is this, yeah, man?
1: I'm
0: I'm swinging stuff. I'm going. So what happened is is we didn't see like they had this place staked off on the lawn to where they lay their eggs on the ground. Oh. So if you get close to where they are, they will come and try like I've I, I, somewhere these kids. This was probably 5 years ago. Somewhere these kids have this on their cell phone footage, a video because they were all standing in the window just laughing here this big American is swinging and ducking and trying to go through. And these birds, and I mean, big birds, like big birds, like I was terrified. So I already had a fear of birds.
1: And then now when,
0: and then I go to Australia and I get attacked, um, I get attacked by two birds. Uh, so yeah. So as far as fear, I don't, I don't really have any, um, I don't fear of losing people. I wake up every day and think, you know, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen. And that's something awful and horrendous happening to my family. Um, but I still have to wake up the next day and I have to be the best me I can be. And I have to continue moving forward. And, and if I'm still breathing, I got to figure out how to live life to the best that I can. And that sounds a little bit morbid, I guess. But, um, you know, I, I just don't get yes, hung sir. up on the on the what ifs or like like what's going to happen. Like my wife and I are two. Com- my wife grew up in the. um the Brady Bunch, like that's what they call them, right? Like she grew up on the Brady Bunch and like, you know, had the the pool in the backyard and on the cul-de-sac and mom and dad had good jobs and they went to church two days a week, you know, all these different things. Yeah, Me, I'm the complete opposite. And it's like, Hey, like she's, she's stressed out about something and I'm like, yeah, eh, my,
1: right. my wife is like that. And she, we, I used to hate talking about death. But like she, she had, she forced it. She like, we need to know how we're going to react. Like, what do you need? Like, what do you want happening? How do you want your funeral to be? Like, like yeah. we had, conversation. now they're normalized. Like I said, I had to break a lot of stuff in me. So like she, was yeah. like he talks like you and it's like, it became normalized and it makes more sense. It makes sense because yeah. life will continue. Like, what are you going to do?
0: Well, like, it goes back to culture, right? Like yeah. some cultures. Uh, you know there are different ethnicities and different cultures that they don't talk about death because they feel yeah. like if you talk about it, you're speaking into existence yeah. so you you know you these different things. So, uh, well, Carlos, listen, man. Um, this has been a thrill to have you on. Um, I think amen. there's a lot more that'll come out of this other than because uh, I I even want to pick your brain on a couple of things. Um, you know that that you've done and you've achieved and 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 I want you to know that if you need anything my way or just a casual conversation. You more, I'll, I'll send you my details and my cell phone number and stuff, so you've got it. Um, more importantly, I appreciate you doing what you do, whether it's going around and speaking and, and educating teachers and educating young people, um, or now your work back in the classroom of, of educating and, and really doing what we talk about here, and that's that's embodying um, you know, waking up every day and accepting the challenge because you can, in, you can encounter a young person walking up to you and tell you about the greatest time of their life over the weekend, or they yeah. can be telling you about the most horrendous, um, awful thing that you can imagine ever happening to a child. And, and you have to be able to deal with it. You have to be able to show support and you do it. And, and I always say the educators, they bend, they don't break. And, um, you know, I appreciate Appreciate you for for you being a a servant leader in a lot of ways, and going out and and sacrificing your family time and sacrificing your, you know who you are, um and and, and your opportunities to go out and to help, you know, change the world in a positive way, make an impact, uh, and influence people. So so I appreciate and I'm really uh, really glad we had you on, and thanks for being here.
1: Amen, man. It's been a pleasure. We'll be, we'll keep in contact and it's kind of perfect timing because I was just about to tell you I got like two percent on my tablet before it dies. Oh, so perfect. Like perfect timing. Um I appreciate you. Thank you. Um definitely send me your contacts and we'll keep in contact for sure.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: All right, man. Cheers. Bye.